ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to the podcast with Shizo, episode 15. I am your host, Shizo. Um, I would just like to welcome everybody listening right now. Thank you for tuning in, wherever you are listening from. Salutations. I hope um, you are keeping safe and uh, staying safe out there with this uh, global pandemic that we are facing. Um, but definitely, good energy coming from me, basically. I'm just feeling good, especially today. I feel so free, like something has been taken off my shoulder, if I can put it that way. But yeah, we'll talk about that a bit later in the show. Uh, just before I get into all that and all the stuff that we have for this episode, uh, I just obviously have to, you know, if you're listening for the first time, how you can catch up with the old episodes and things of that nature. So yeah, you can subscribe to our page on Apple Podcasts. It's uh, called The Podcast with Shizo. There you find our old podcasts and, uh, you know, check out what we're all about at Cultural Stimulation. Um, there, what else? Oh yeah, our IG page is um, at Cultural Stimulation Inc. Same name on Facebook and uh, SoundCloud as well. Uh, cultural dash stimulation so that's why you can catch up with the old podcast and everything now uh just to go back on what i mentioned earlier uh, about feeling like a burden has been taken off my shoulders or a weight um today i even decided to go for different kinds of setting i decided to do the podcast from outside in a park uh, because I didn't want to be confined in a room. I wanted to be outside to feel nature as I'm saying what I'm about to say. Because uh, it's it's like an ongoing conflict that I've been having with myself. Like, yeah, you host this podcast, but do you give the audience or the listener the real you and uh, the different parts of you, uh, the flawed self, the flawed version of you, or do you just have to wear a mask and just cater to what they want you know that's an ongoing conflict i guess with every creative those who make music i'm sure go through the same thing as a person who used to make music i would go through that conflict should i say what is really on my mind or do i just feed into this idea of buying the the audience by giving them what they want or do you give them some thought-provoking content that might in the long run stay longer with them opinions that they hear all the time so basically um if you've ever read the book or the the movie alice in wonderland <laughs> like she went tumbling down a rabbit hole uh, i would i would um in this particular situation i could say uh, i also went da- uh, tumbling down a rabbit hole in a sense of um I don't know why, since I was young, I've always had this inquisitive persona, so to speak. I always wanted to know more. I was always asking questions. I always wanted to find out why. So in that sense, you would call me a philosopher. So anyway, uh, I was looking at this whole Corona, COVID-19 happenings, just like everybody else in the world. But somehow, I don't know why, I just couldn't find peace in the way things were unraveling. The, from the way the disease started, 
uh, who's in charge of the health policy that's been passed in basically every, every country things of that nature because the mainstream media will just give you a version of events that they want you to know that's just the way it is sometimes you would be watching tv or the mainstream any mainstream platform and you even know what they're going to say so it's rare that you find people who are willing to give like an alternative perspective as to the happenings uh, today in the world so then yeah as i was looking the first thing that that grabbed my attention with this corona was the the, the movie contagion uh apparently this movie came out from what i gather now it came out in 2011 and uh it was contagion then the slogan was nothing spreads faster than fear that, that was the slogan of the movie uh and i also saw the cast the cast of the movie was also like telling to me because you know if, if you're into movies and if you're into this kind of hollywood mindset you would know that oh this that's that's how they advertise the movie in the first place the names of the actors the magnitude to a certain degree the magnitude of the person who's starring in a movie can have an impact on how it's going to sell how it's going to be viewed who it's going to reach and things of that nature so uh this movie contagion had uh, matt damon kate winslet uh Lawrence Fishburne, Jude Law, Gwyneth Paltrow, uh amongst others. So, okay, yeah, it's just a movie, but I saw people were saying, "Oh, uh they predicted the movie, blah blah blah. Uh, the movie predicted what was going to happen. There was uh, a virus in the movie, so I decided to watch it. I decided to watch the movie Contagion. So it it struck me as odd because Many of the things that were happening in the movie are happening in real life which is was some sort of foreshadowing but then uh previously I had uh, heard about movies and even learned at school and stuff about movies like The Matrix and the the mov- the the messages that are encoded into movies and entertainment and just Hollywood as a whole because uh, you have to think about about it in this way uh the word hollywood comes from actually a holy tree there was a holy tree which they used to use to make um wands for wizards and witches so it's sort of like they are casting a spell of you or an illusion where uh you're made to think that it's just mere entertainment when in actual sense um there's more to it so anyway i decided to watch the movie uh the narrative is that all the, the 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 disease started off in some some part of China or Hong Kong if i'm not mistaken and uh yeah it came from a pig and then it transferred to to the lady she went back to america blah 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 anyway let's put that to the side it was just a movie so then i was like no it, it resembles what's happening right now there must be something to it so i said ah, let me look into the director or something who is this person who could have possibly known uh this was going to occur like nine years before i found the the director and i uh, what i found interesting as well was that he actually had consultation 
from maybe World Health Organization, from uh, control, uh, CDC, Center for Disease Control. So I was like, oh, okay. Maybe they just knew that some pandemic was coming. And I brushed it to the side. And another thing is that if if you think that movies are just movies, like, oh, you're, you're reading into it, you're reading into it too much. I also used to think like that. But if you go and watch the Matrix movie right now, I know many of you listening might say, oh, I've watched it. No, but I mean really watch it. Listen to the dialogue, the symbolism, everything that's going on in that movie. Go and see when Neo's passport expired. There's a scene where um, uh, uh, Agent Smith, uh, he brings in uh, Neo for interrogation after he's apprehended for being a hacker and all that. Yeah, it's in an interrogation room, the scene I'm talking about. So go and see when his passport expires then you can come and have the conversation to me as to whether movies are just movies or their messages encoded. Yeah, so I was like, okay, that's just a movie and everything. So then I started thinking, oh, the World Health Organization, as at now with regards to the pandemic, they're the ones who are, you know, passing the policy. At first glance, these were my thoughts. It's the World Health Organization, they're the ones in charge blah 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 so i started okay let me look into this world health organization because there were certain things that were not adding up to me so this was me as i mentioned tumbling down the rabbit hole because i had time i had some time on my hands you know with this whole lockdown so i said oh let me just look so then i found out that the world health organization is somewhat of a branch of the united nations right so i said oh okay What's the United Nations? Oh, it's an organization that was created to prevent any future wars, to promote peace and prosperity and integration uh, around the world, to keep peace. But let's not forget that the, the, the United Nations has got the Security Council, which are the permanent members, which can be kicked out no matter what. So already there's some inequality there. But anyway, uh, where I was getting at was... So I said, oh, this United Nations, which houses all the countries in the world as its members, maybe just except a handful. It must be, who, who, who would have thought of such an idea? Uh, so I started digging. So then I found out that the actual land, the headquarters in New York City, where, um, <coughs> where or oh, the land was donated, sorry, was donated by a man called David Rockefeller. He's the one who donated the land that the United Nations headquarters is on. Think of that. A, a guy. Okay. So I think, this David Rockefeller then, he must be somebody. He must be somebody for him to even donate land that the United Nations can build the headquarters. Then I looked into him. I found out, oh, he's a descendant, of course, of John D. Rockefeller one of the business tycoons in America, blah, blah, blah. They were like philanthropic. But then when I found that, uh, something came into my head, a quote that I remember, which says, the urge to save humanity is almost always a false front for the urge to rule. I don't know how you would interpret that. But yeah, the urge to save humanity is almost always a false front for the urge to rule.
So yeah, putting that in mind, I'm like, okay. So then I found out that Mr. Rockefeller had a book. He done, he's done a book called Memoirs. And this is one of his most famous quotes. He says, and I quote, we are on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis and the nations will accept the new world order. It's not me. David Rockefeller has always said that. So now remember, I'm connecting the dots because I started off from Corona. So it led me down to World Health Organization, to UN. Now it's led me to the guy who, who uh, donated the building. And I'm looking into his book and this is what he's saying. Not me. Okay. Okay. So this guy or these guys had an idea that there would be why, uh, a crisis coming because one, uh, we saw it from the movie Contagion, right? Uh, we also saw it, if you've watched Fast and the Furious, the new one, I haven't watched it, but I was scrolling through the channels and it said, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham drive this epic spin-off of the, of the Fast franchise. They team, they team up to, to stop a fierce Idris Elba, a mercenary with a deadly virus. That's the description of the movie, not me. And now, because all, all, all I was trying to do once I went tumbling down that rabbit hole was connecting dots. So now, uh, just to backtrack on the, when I saw the movie Contagion, then I also saw this Fast and Furious promoting the same narrative of like, oh, virus. Then what do you have? Oh, Idris Elba in the movie as the virus. I haven't watched it. I'm just going off the description that I saw as I was scrolling through the channels. He had the virus. And it just so happens in, in real life, he was one of the first people to have the virus out of these so-called celebrities that we worship. So, um, yeah, back to Mr. Rockefeller. So I was like, uh, okay, let me look him up. What else could he be a part of? Uh, then I found that, oh, this man is also a founder of another organization. If you are wondering which man, in case I've gone too fast, this man comes from a family who, who donated the land that the United Nations headquarters are housed on or housed under. They donated that land. So these are powerful people. And remember the quote from his book saying that there's a new world order coming, right? We just need the world crisis. Okay, so I found out, yeah, he also created this, this, um, oh, and the main theme here that you also, if you are going down this rabbit hole with me, that you shouldn't forget is um, we're connecting dots. And the, the key words you have to look for are global and universal. Because what I believe at the core of it, if I could just point it out maybe in the beginning, is that whoever these powers that be that are making the decisions of how corona gets handled who are giving out donations who are researching the vaccines those guys right we have to know what they're doing for us to stay uh, informed so anyway back to mr rockefeller uh he also is also a, a founding member of the trilateral commission and the trilateral commission according to what i saw was the Trilateral Commission is a non-governmental, non-partisan discussion group founded by David Rockefeller in July 1973 to foster close cooperation between Japan, Western Europe, and North America. So, integration. 
Yeah, because don't forget, even the United Nations, uh, its formation was a way of consolidating or centralizing power, you see? Because if all you guys are members of this group of the, or this club, but me, I'm a permanent member, it's like I, I'm, I'm part owner of the club. You are just a member. So the rest of us, apart from the, the, the countries in the Security Council, have that power to stay in, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, the Trilateral Commission. Mr. Rockefeller also founded this with uh, Jimmy Carter, the former president of the U.S., of course. And another, I can't pronounce his first name, but his last name is easier to pronounce, Brzezinski. So, oh, so then it led me to, oh, Brzezinski. Who, who, who might this Brzezinski be? I found that he also had a book called uh, Between Two Edges, America's Role in the techno, Technotronic Era. <coughs> the Technotronic Era, this is a quote from his book, the technocratic era involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society. Such a society would be dominated by an elite and restrained by traditional values. Soon, it will be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen and maintaining up-to-date complete files containing even the most personal information about the citizen. These files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities. I don't know if you guys have ever read the book 1984 on, uh, yeah, by George Orwell. Yeah, he's famous for Animal Farm, but you should also check out 1984. This is what he was saying. He was saying that the world is going to... Uh, people are going to consolidate power so much and centralize power so much that they'll be controlling the whole world, right? At once. There'll be no need for presidents and all that. These people, are, they are more powerful than the government of your country, wherever you are listening from. These are like, they have, these are multinational corporations that we're talking about. The Rockefeller Foundation, the Trilateral, uh, Trilateral Commission. So anyway, moving on, as I was going down the, the rabbit hole of this same Rockefeller, I found uh, another name, Kaiser Willem Institute. So that's something that he was, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation were also involved in. So I said, ah, what's this Kaiser Willem Institute of Anthropology, Human Heredity, and Eugenics? And this is what I found. It reads, the Kaiser Willem Institute of Anthropology, Human Heredity, and Eugenics was founded in 1927 in Berlin, Germany. The Rockefeller Foundation partially funded the actual building of the institute and helped keep the institute afloat during the Great Depression. You've heard that. Another building. Because remember, the ones who donated the land for the United Nations. We're, we're talking about the Rockefellers here. Then again, the, 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 they helped build this other institution called Kaiser Wilhelm Institute of Anthropology. But what stuck out to me out of this short paragraph is eugenics. I just did a, qu a quick Google search just to find out what the word means. And this is what I found. Because remember, this Wilhelm Institute, why it's important? Because remember, we're connecting dots. Don't forget that. This all began from Corona. Eugenics come into being 
or uh, eugenics is a set of beliefs and practices that aim to improve the genetic quality of a human population. Typically, by excluding people and groups judged to be inferior and promoting those judged to be superior. Now, as an African, speaking as an African, I don't even have to explain who's on which side. You already know that they think they are the superior ones and we are the inferior ones. So that so this guy also, his family or his foundation or the whole family, they're also involved in eugenics. At the same time that they are on this other side, they are like uh, United Nations advocates for peace and prosperity. So yeah, moving on. Uh, this foul, trust me, I know it's quarantine. I might be talking some mind-provoking shit that you wouldn't want to hear at the time or you think it's propaganda. But just have an open mind. Just hear me out as we go down through this rabbit hole. I'm just taking you on a journey. I'm sharing a journey of the rabbit hole that I went under or that I went tumbling into. So now, somehow, I don't know how this knowledge fell into my lap. There was a document called scenarios for the future of technology and international development and international development it was published in 2010 by guess who the rockefeller foundation the thing that i want you to have in mind right now is the year so here we're talking about the year is 2010 the rockefellers published this and the reason why uh, this connects, if you will, the strings uh, with um, everything that I'm saying is because it was published in 2010 and it was talking about uh, a pandemic, a world pandemic that's coming, uh, how it was going to affect the world and things of that nature. So then I decided to read this document. I repeat, just in case anybody out there wants to check it out and I, I advise that you should it's called scenarios for the future of technology and international development published by them no this is not we're not accusing them they published it it's a rockefeller foundation publication it was published in may 2010 so i'll save you the time this is like a 54 page document but just go to page 18 i'll save you the time so on page 18, there was what was known as lockstep. Because uh, they said after this pandemic erupted, there, there are certain ways that we would react or that we should react. In 2010, huh? don't forget the movie Contagion and all these things we've spoken about. But this, yeah, let me get back on track. It's called lockstep, page 18. A world of tighter, top-down government control. and more. In 2012... The pandemic that the world had been anticipating for years finally hit. Unlike 2009's H1N1, this new influenza strain originating from wild geese was extremely deadly. Even the most pandemic-prepared nations were quickly overwhelmed when the virus streaked around the world, infecting nearly 20% of the global population and killing 8 million in just 7 months. The pandemic also had a deadly effect on economies. International mobility of both people and goods screeched to a halt, debilitating 
industries like tourism and breaking global supply chains. Even locally, normally bustling shops and office buildings sat empty for months, devoid of both employees and customers. Bear in mind, this was written in 2010. I just want you to make a comparison or a juxtaposition of the events that were said in this uh, document and what's happening in real life. To me, it struck me as odd, and I think they mirror one another. So I'll just skip to some other interesting parts. Oh, here's one. The United States' initial policy of strongly discouraging citizens from flying proved deadly in its leniency, accelerating the spread of the virus not just within the U.S. but across borders. However, a few countries did fare better, China in particular. Remember, in 2010, even today, if you watch the news or you've been following the mainstream media and their lies, they painted China as the the poster country for how a country should respond to the COVID-19. I continue. The Chinese government's quick imposition and enforcement of mandatory quarantine for all citizens, as well as its instant and near hermetic sealing off to all borders, saved millions of lives, stopping the spread of the virus far earlier than in other countries and enabling a swifter post-pandemic recovery. This is in 2010. Then now, listen to this. This is now why it's called lockstep. Because this wasn't even about the disease. The disease was a vehicle for centralization of power and for you to willingly give up your liberties and your rights. So here goes. China's government was not the only one that took extreme measures to protect its citizens from risk and exposure. During the pandemic, national leaders around the world flexed their authority and imposed airtight rules and restrictions from the mandatory wearing of face masks to body temperature checks at the entries to communal spaces like train stations and supermarkets. This is happening today in whatever country you're in. But they said it in 2010. These are, don't forget. Even after the pandemic faded, this more authoritarian control and oversight of citizens and their activities stuck and even intensified. In order to protect themselves from the spread of increasingly global problems, from pandemics and transnational, uh, transnational terrorism to environmental crisis and rising poverty, leaders around the world took a firm gripper on power. At first, the notion of a more controlled world gained wide acceptance and approval. Citizens willingly gave up some of their sovereignty and their privacy to more paternalistic states in exchange for greater safety and stability. Citizens were more tolerant and even eager for top-down direction and oversight, and national leaders had more latitude to impose order in the way they saw fit. Ponder on that in your own free time. So moving on now. So now, uh, that's where I reached now. I was like, damn, so maybe these people might have known. Because coming to think of it, us speaking as Africans, we've been stripped off our identity, we've been stripped off of our culture, we emulate them, everything is planted, cause no offense to anyone. But this is just me thinking, after I reached that point of reading that uh, document, I asked myself, these guys have always been in control. Because if you think about it, right? Uh, I think a few weeks ago in my country, Zambia, it was the first president's birthday, uh, Mr. Kenneth Kaunda, right? So then, 
everybody was celebrating, sending birthday messages, blah, blah, blah. So then I thought to myself, because I once saw an interview of him a long time where he mentioned that his mom was one of the first teachers in Zambia. So I saw him in other pictures like with Margaret Thatcher, with the Queen smiling and shaking her hand. So that also struck me as odd because if you fought for independence for us, right, from the British, you can't be mingling. No, yes, you can still do business with them. But if you want, Google the picture of Kaunda and Queen Elizabeth and you find out what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that if you really think about it deeply, you can't be whining and dining with your oppressors or your oppressors can't um, approve of you. So let's say uh, there are certain African leaders who didn't want to bend over to the West and there were consequences. Mugabe with the sanctions, Gaddafi with his life. Those are two prime examples. So you can tell, you can tell that these ones are playing a, a deeper game. But yeah, now that aside, another name, as I kept on going through down this rabbit hole, another game that name, sorry, that came up was that of Bill Gates. Oh, Bill Gates this, that. So I was like, ah, let, me, let me also look into this guy and see. Then I found that he also has the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which is basically a template of the Rockefeller Foundation because they also... Uh, they also they're also under that banner of philanthropy that oh we help the world we 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 want to ex- we want to end extreme poverty blah 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 that's what the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation does so I was like oh who's this Bill Gates guy I went down another rabbit hole and the the first thing that that emerged was that because remember now we're connecting the dots remember United Nations World Health Organization right. I found that Bill Gates or the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation were the second biggest donors to the World Health Organization, right? The, yeah, there's an article entitled World Health Organization, Gates Foundation, now second largest funder after U.S. government. Yeah, so it goes, um, during during 2017, the total amount of money provided to the WHO by countries was exceeded by that coming from non-state actors, including the pharmaceutical industry. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation contributed almost $327 million to the WHO's general uh, funds, making it the second largest donor overall. The only donations to these funds higher than those of the Gates Foundation came from the government of the United States. This obviously, this article was published before uh, Mr. Trump decided to defund the World Health Organization. I don't know how that is going, but point being, Bill Gates' name is attached to World Health Organization now because he gives them money. He's involved with them. He's in bed with them. So, but why is that a problem? He's just a rich guy trying to help uh, end extreme poverty and diseases. That was my initial thought. Then I said, okay. Then I, I got, uh, while I was searching his name, in fact, before I go into that, uh, from an African perspective, um, uh, Mr. Trevor Noah, because if you remember last year, 
uh, forgotten when specifically, but last year, um, Trevor Noah um, had this tennis game, charity tennis game with Bill Gates. Hey, charity. Next thing I know, Bill Gates was on 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 uh, the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Then I realized, oh, Mr. Trevor Noah was just like a mouthpiece, basically. So anyway, Bill Gates, you know, like when an artist uh, is promoting their album, they go to the Breakfast Club, Sway, to all these places. It seems that's what Bill Gates has been doing. He's been like on a COVID-19 press run. He's everywhere when you turn on your TV. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to point that out, that he was in Africa recently uh, with Trevor Noah apparently playing tennis and so on and so forth. And in fact, South Africa was one of the first countries in Africa to like publicly make a statement that no, uh, well, to 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 curb this uh, pandemic, while working in conjunction with uh, Bill Gates, blah blah blah. The the president openly said that, and this this will, the relevance of what I'm saying will unravel as we go on. So yeah, Mr. Bill Gates, and uh, what we've established at this point is that okay. Whatever, he is a co-founder of Microsoft, he's a rich guy who's into philanthropy. That's, that's not bad at this point. So, but then the first thing we found was that he's the second biggest funder of the World Health Organization. The people in charge of health on a global scale, global health policy, this guy gives them money. Because yeah, I'm just trying to make a string and a connection between, or, uh, yeah, a connection with, or between, these powerful people and what they do because we had Mr. Rockefeller now Bill Gates so yeah anyway Mr. Bill Gates I found his name attached to another company called Gavi and it says uh, Gavi the alliance the vaccine alliance and before that the global alliance for vaccines and immunization that's what it was called but anyway this is a public-private global health partnership with the goal of increasing access to immunization in poor countries. I come from a poor country, so that raised an eyebrow for me. I'm like, oh, there's a company called Gavi that works for immunizations just for me. <laughs> so yeah, that's what drew me in. All right, maybe that, that might not be bad. What is this Gavi about? This is them. Um, Gavi brings together developing country and donor governments the World Health Organization, UNICEF, and the World Bank, the vaccine industry in both industrialized and developing countries, research and technical ag agencies, civil society, the Bill, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and other private philanthropists. So what we've established is that there's, an, uh, there's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, right? Then they give the second most money to World Health Organization. Then they have another company that they're involved in called Gavi which makes vaccines and immunizations right that's that's easy to understand then another thing I found another company was called it's called ID2020 and I, this company wasn't made in 2020 but who knows why they named it ID2020 ID could be seen as short for identity another company that Bill Gates is attached to let's see what they do ID2020 is building a new global model for the design, funding, and implementation of digital ID solutions and technologies. There is no other multi-stakeholder effort focused on user management, privacy protecting, and portable digital ID. Okay. 
because now I'm just going off what I heard. People were saying, oh, Bill Gates wants to microchip us and things of that nature. And people are saying, no, that's not true. He's not. So now me in my head, what I'm saying is, okay, if this guy doesn't want to to vaccinate and microchip us, why is it that he's involved in the, the biggest health organization in the world and he has so far, as we've found out at this point, two other companies, Gavi and ID2020, which deal in, respectively, um, identification and the other one deals in vaccines. So he has his his he has his hands in both these companies one that deals with identification chipping of people id2020 and another company that deals in vaccines so i i could see why people would make that relation but beyond that um i found out now that oh these gavis have already even done or the id2020 sorry they've already even had a test run and this article is entitled ID2020 and Partners Launch Program to Provide Digital ID with Vaccines. Are you listening? Digital ID with vaccines. So then, uh, and this is how they explain it in the article. Digital identity is a computerized record of who a person is stored in a registry. It is used in this case to keep track of who has been received, who has received vaccination. Have you seen what I'm saying? So, uh, um, this is the rabbit hole I was going under. Because, remember in the 2010 uh, lockstep that the Rockefeller Foundation published, they said that you can't go into supermarkets without masks and temperatures and all these checks, right? So, then there's this other mechanism that Bill Gates is working on, on the side, that... Uh, involves you having your information as in who you are and whether you've been uh, vaccinated or not. And you know he's been the advocate for vaccines. We need to get vaccines vaccinated. Hey. So anyway, this is a quote from the same article. That this shit is underway. It's not like, oh, the future. No, it's happening. We are implementing a forward-looking approach to digital identity that gives individuals control over their own personal information while still building off existing systems and programs, uh, says Chowdhury, police advisor at A2I. The government of Bangladesh recognizes that the design of digital identity systems carries far-reaching implications for individuals' access to services and livelihood, and we are eager to pioneer this approach. Did you hear that sentence? Digital identity systems carries far-reaching implications for individuals' access to services and livelihood. You won't be able to access services and your livelihood will be affected if you are not registered as one who's been vaccinated. That's why I see this shit going. That's just me. Anyway. And they say, Gavi CEO Seth Berkeley says that Berkeley... 89% of children and adolescents who do not have identification live in countries where the organization is active. We're enthusiastic about the potential impact of this program, not just in Bangladesh, but as something we can replicate across Gavi-eligible countries, providing a viable route to closing the identity gap. All right, so let, let's keep going. 
another another company that I found Bill Gates's name attached to, the Pale Bright Institute. Uh, yeah, the Pale Bright Institute and others. Um, okay, now just to fast forward a bit, because uh, I don't want to dwell too much on this uh, particular thing. I want to move on to the next thing now. Okay, it could be a coincidence that Bill Gates just so happens to be involved in health policy and, compa- and companies and organizations and foundations that are dealing with health policies, particularly uh, relating to this COVID-19. That could be a coincidence. But he also makes vaccines and identification uh, softwares and things of that nature. That could be a coincidence. But now here is where it gets tricky now. If you don't, if you think this is just a game. Uh, last uh, last year, 18th October, there was what was known as Event 201. That was the name of the, the whatever you would call it, a meeting. So, oh, it's, it's, it was a scenario. It was a scenario of a simulation of a coronavirus. So, here's another pattern, right? Remember Rockefeller Foundation published that thing in 2010 about uh, a, a pandemic that came. Then in 2012 now, I mean, not 2012, 2019, last year, Bill Gates uh, hosted the event 201. So the three uh, major key players, according to their website, was the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, the World Economic Forum, and, and uh, the Bill, oh, sorry, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, and the Johns Hopkins University. So I was like, mm, this is interesting because Johns Hopkins are the ones who are in, in charge of the numbers of the corona deaths. When you look on your screen, they have that number on the side. They're the ones counting by the second. So anyway, those those were the three players at Event 201. But uh, in case you are wondering, what is Event 201? This is what they, they have a website. If you want, Google Event 201, then go to their website. So this is what the simulation was about. Remember, we're on Bill Gates here, the scenario he made. Event 201 simulates an outbreak of a novel zoonotic, zoonotic coronavirus transmitted from bats to pigs to people that eventually becomes efficiently transferable from, one, from person to person, leading to a severe pandemic. The pathogen and the disease it causes are moduled largely on SARS, but it, it is more trans, transmissible in the community settings by people with mild symptoms. So last year in their simulation, there was a coronavirus that comes from bats to pigs, then to people. Then we see how that mirrors reality. They say coronavirus came from bats. But that's what they said, 18th October last year. But also what what struck me as odd uh, with that was that on the same exact day, right? Because remember, remember at some point they were saying, oh, Wuhan was the epicenter of this whole thing. Wuhan is where it started from, Wuhan. So what I'm telling you is that on the exact same day that Event 21 was happening, an event that was a simulation for a coronavirus that's transmitted from bats to pigs to humans, according to the simulation, on that very day, there was what was known as the 2019 Military World Games, which ran from 18th October to October 27th, 2019. 
so a, a, go, uh, a quick Google search will tell you the 2019 Military World Games, officially known as the 7th CISM Military World Games and commonly known as the Wuhan 2019, was held from October 18 to 27, 2019 in Wuhan. So to me, there's no, that I don't believe in coincidences. So the same day they're having a simulation for a coronavirus, the future epicenter is where these guys, there were participants from almost 150 countries in Wuhan on that day and almost 10,000 soldiers participating in these so-called games. So to me, I was like, no, that's too much of a coincidence. So that's how uh, I, 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 I put the, or I connected the dots with that regard. So I was like, oh, Bill gets us a simulation with these uh, event 201 niggas. So I was like, okay. Um, ah, At this point, I was like, no, he knew some shit. They planned this shit. Because there's no way everything in the, the event 201 was, mirror, was a mirror of like reality. So uh, when you go on their website, they have a section called players. Like I was, I was intrigued and I really wanted to know, so who are these players? Who are these people involved in this 201 uh, simulation that happened last year, which is like a mirror of what's happening right now? So I'm just giving you an example of the caliber of people that were there. So there's this guy called George Fu Gao. Now listen to his title. Professor George F. Gao is the Director General, Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention, a professor in the Institute of Microbiology, Chinese Academy of Sciences, President of the Chinese Society of Biotechnology, and President of the Asian Federation of Biotechnology. This is who this person is, and he was just in that meeting. Those, these are the, the, the caliber of people that were found in Event 201. Like, these were not just, like, mainstream people that we don't know. These are, like, as they call them, um, technocrats. So, um, yeah, so I was like, okay. Another guy um, I found was a guy called Christopher Elias. He's also one of the players. Who is he? Dr. Chris Elias is president of the Global Development Program, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He leads the foundation's efforts to accelerate the delivery of proven healthcare products and solutions to those who need them the most. Oh, how thoughtful, huh? Just for free to help us, especially women and children. So then I'm like, oh, this event one was serious. They even have videos. And I can assure you, I watched the videos. In one of the videos, they were even saying uh, that one of the most important things if, if a pandemic had to, to erupt is that uh, we have to control the information that people receive because there are going to be a lot of false narratives out there. So they were just making a declaration that anything that's said by anyone other than us should be put to the side, basically. So I was like, ah, but why the censorship? But again, it went, if you go down, if you go back to what we've been saying, that it's all about consolidation of power, centralization of power, one world government, one world currency, one world banking system. That's, if you haven't understood, in it, if you haven't understood anything I've said since we started, just understand this. There are people who are plotting for a one world government, a one world currency, and a one-world um, banking system as well.
that's what they are plotting. Whether you, you admit to see it or not, because I'm providing evidence from people, from their websites, these guys. So anyway, Event 201, they're like, we need to control the information. And I'm telling you, uh, my Twitter handle is at Shizo Podcast. So if you want to, if you want the proof of what I'm saying, just tweet me and I'll, I'll gladly DM it to you. There's a part where one of the guys was like, yeah, one of the ways that we can control uh, the message about this pandemic is through uh, stakeholders who have nothing to do with what we're discussing here, but they can be a voice or a vehicle or a channel to the people. Oh, shit, this is, this is something that's been panned out. This is a, a, a plan that's been in place for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And as Africans, I'm only bringing you this information so that we should know what we're dealing with. For you to be emancipated, for you to be decolonized, for you to break out of the cage, you first have to know that you're in a cage. You first have to know that you're in bondage. So I don't think Africans will go anywhere without knowing the game that's being played and at what level. These people were dealing with are psychopaths, all sorts of adjectives. They have like an insatiable appetite for power and control. So as Africans, I feel even if one person takes this and just finds a little bit of sense in all these things I've said, I would be glad. That's my aim with this whole thing, at least one person. But anyway, uh, le le let me get back to event 201. Oh, the simulation, how can we control this and that? And remember the same day there was the Olympic Games for soldiers in Wuhan, on the same day that event 201 was happening. Okay, let's put that to the side. So then, I found now when I went, I kept going down the World Health Organization rabbit hole, the, the companies that Bill Gates is attached to. Then um, I found the one called the uh, GPMB. GPMB. GPMB stands for Global Preparedness Monitoring Board. That's what it stands for. And then, as I went on their website, as I was scrolling down, I found Dr. Chris Elias, the, the, the guy who was at Event 201, the one who was talking about the simulation of a pandemic coming last year on 18th October. He's one of the board of directors of um, GPMB, Global Preparedness Monitoring Board. Then who else did I find? Mr. George Gao. That guy again from Event 201. So I'm like, oh, these, these organizations are in cahoots with each other. Then later on, what do you find? You find that the World Health Organization and the World Bank are the ones who, in the words, I repeat, uh, convened the GPMB. So now I, I think I've spoken too much. I've gone on some long rant. But if you, have, uh, if you are interested in what I just said, uh, you can look into these things. Uh, uh, organizations or foundations that I'm about to say for the simple reason of these are the people who are in charge of world uh, health policy you see so with this whole COVID I've seen there's been a lot of fear mongering and things of that nature and there are other things uh, reports alternative to what the media is saying that have been that has been said about the coronavirus but I won't get into that but with this Bill Gates thing all I could say is that um, there's no uh, smoke without fire. You know what I'm saying? 
like these accusa- accusations against him are not just baseless. There's actual evidence. So yeah, you should look into the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board, GPMB. You should also look into the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, Foundation. You should also look out for CEPI, C-E-P-I, Collision for Epidemic Preparedness Innovation. You should look into these. Like, for instance, the same one, CEPI, right? Of course, Bill Gates is involved. We know that at that point. And six of the largest pharmaceutical companies, along with the World Economic Forum and others. So remember, World Economic Forum was part of the event one simulation about the coronavirus that originated from bats, right? But they are also uh, part of this organization uh, called the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. And we're facing an epidemic. So I just think it's important for you, if, if you're facing an epidemic, obviously you have to know if you're a knowledgeable person or if you're interested or if you care about your liberties or you just have nothing to do, if you have some extra time on your hands, Go and see who's really making you wear these masks and do all these things that they've said. So, uh, one of the, the things, in summary, I know this has been odd. And honestly, I was insecure to show this side of myself. But I was like, no. It, yes, we always watch entertainment, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes you need to learn. You need to learn some shit. Because that's what kills us Africans. Because think about it as Africans, right? What happens is that, like for me in my country in Zambia, uh, many people that go abroad are either uh, they're on scholarship or they come from a well-to-do family. Most of them that go abroad, they end up staying there and developing those um, economies and countries. And then the ones who remain in Africa are still like, those are the ones who remain. You see what I'm saying? So basically what I'm trying to say, not to, to, okay, no, but to a notable, to a, to a notable point, you would tell that, okay, okay, imagine if Dambisa Moy was in Zambia right now. Uh, you can look her up if you don't know her. She's worked on Wall Street. She was on the board of directors of Chevron, of uh, uh, Barclays Bank. That's a Zambian who went to Harvard and all that. But you have to ask yourself the question, why isn't she back? No, because she stayed there developing that game. So as we have to fend for ourselves, those guys don't care about us. As I mentioned earlier, the person who fought independence for us was shaking the hand of the queen. So if those guys were really our oppressors and the people who are pushing us back, why is it that you're whining and dining with them? If the enemy praises you, Something is fishy about that. An enemy is not supposed to have nice things to say about you. That, that, that's just the way I see it. So I, I don't think Africans are truly independent. And the only time I feel we can be truly independent is by knowing what the hell is going on out here, knowing that we were born in this system that was designed to just keep us oppressed and suppressed, that we, we our education system is based off Eurocentric, um, Eurocentric information and syllabus. So those are things we have to put into consideration if you really want to be emancipated. 
and in fact i should have said this at the end uh, at the beginning of the podcast to 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 what can i say to give a disclaimer that this is this is emancipation talk this is philosophy talk this is i'm getting off the plantation talk so it might not resonate with everyone because you know let me give this analogy like there are slaves on a plantation right then one of the slaves realizes that he's a slave and he's like ah ons me i'm i'm deep in <laughs> i'm cutting now there are those slaves who are so indoctrinated in this shit that ah master look at this one he's trying to escape he's trying to run away from the plantation no don't pull your own brother don't uh pull your own brothers down so basically what i'm just trying to say is that yeah this is off the plantation talk and i'm not saying like do it right now no everybody has got their own journey but for me personally it reached the point where i had to address it here on the podcast because i felt if i wasn't if i didn't i wasn't being genuine or being true to myself and who i am and this is just the way i see some things as well it might it might not be perfect it might be flawed yes but i just felt it was something worth sharing with my african brothers because i want us to get emancipated and shit so um in closing remarks um what i would just like to say is that um according to my research my i've drawn to these conclusions which are one africans even when it comes to this covid-19 whatever here we are waiting for the white man to save us to come up with the vaccine hey, make a vaccine apart from maybe the president of madagascar and tanzania they're the ones who've been who've stood firm in what they believe like the madagascar with their own form of treatment and the tanzanian with uh, saying the tests were not accurate and things of that nature but the rest were waiting for the white man no offense to all the christian people listening out there but again it's another it 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 it, it mirrors that thing of waiting for the white man to save us i remember uh charlemagne the god from the breakfast club and i'm paraphrasing here he once said as long as black people worship a white jesus they will never truly rebel from their oppressors because when they see their oppressors they see jesus or god so if you if you are born into a system that tells you that jesus is white and he's going to come and save you obviously even now you still have that mentality because you'll be like oh shit the bill gates i can even tell you right now okay this is an assumption but my assumption is that more people are willing to take the vaccine from bill gates than take the madagascar african stuff because they think oh the white man is only supposed to fix it because when in zambia me the way so i'm like this is just some movie all i'm seeing is a guy going on screen every day reading some numbers of recoveries do you think he knows about gavi and id 2020 i know these organizations and foundations no he's just being told what to do but he's playing his role if you put it at that but that's why we need to talk about this shit so that it trickles down that people should know that there's something funny going on that's the only way africans are going to get emancipated so i know i said i was concluding but truly this time this is what i want you to take out of this there's something fishy going on and africans are not in the plan these people who who make decisions for the world 
uh, in more ways than just in health policy. They're up to some shit, and I think Corona is the vehicle for that. What are they up to, you might ask? One world government, one banking system, one currency, controlled by one government. That's my theory. So we'll just see how it unravels. Um, so yeah, that was yeah another episode of the podcast with Shizo. Uh, yeah, I was just giving you a piece of my mind in these quarantine times and taking you down a rabbit hole that uh, I went, I went, I, I tumbled into. Uh, yeah, like Alice. <laughs> So yeah, I hope uh, this episode even at least provokes one person just to think and to question what's really going on in this world by just doing research. So yeah, from me, your host Shizzle, Cultural Stimulation, we're signing out. See you on the flip side on the next episode.